to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together, share dreams together, have adventures together, and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, Follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. But before we go any further, I have a question. How do you protect yourself from people who are truly unhinged? Most of us, thankfully, will never have to. But for those that do, one person you can call is Carrie Goldberg. She's an attorney based in New York, and her law firm specializes in advocating for victims of stalking, harassment, revenge porn, domestic violence, sexual assault, blackmail, extortion, and sextortion. And in this episode, I talked to her about the insights she's gained after years spent protecting clients from the kinds of people who would do these things. Let this be a trigger warning for anyone who should avoid these topics, but for everyone else, keep listening for the unforgettable stories she shares with us here. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. I've been reading your book. I've been listening to so many of your podcasts, and I have so many questions that I can't wait to ask. Starting with just the name of your book, it's, it's fighting um, the subtitle of your book. I mean, fighting psychos, stalkers, pervs, and trolls. So let's just jump right in. Who are these people? Um, like, <laughs> What are they? What are their attack characteristics? Like, tell, tell us what you know about each of these kinds of people. Okay. So, so basically, um, you know, we, we represent victims against um, attackers. And we kind of created this little taxonomy uh, a while ago to help us be able to kind of predict who, who our offender was. Because if you know, if you know what their um, playbook is it's it's easier to help your client know know what to do and so right to so like foresee what they're mm-hmm. going to do and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. um because in in the the legal services that we provide have so much more to do with with um the patterns of the offender than it has to do with what the the client um thinks thinks that they want a lot of people come to us for a cease and desist for instance and we're like no no, no that's actually going to fan the flames of, of a stalker and so Originally, the, the subtitle was Psychos, Assholes, Pervs, and Trolls. And my, my publisher said, oh, we don't want to use assholes in, in the title. So we, we changed that one to stalkers. But actually, psychos and stalkers are kind of the same thing in our, in our book. So, but I'm going to talk about it with, as psychos, assholes, pervs, and trolls. Let's do it. The psychos, and I... I regret using that term because it's, it's not like, I, I think it's an offensive term to some people. And, and so I think if, if I were to re republish the book, I would not use, use that term. Um, but, but the, um, the type of person who is a compulsive, relentless stalker, um, is, is this first category of person who basically is, is, unable to stop um, or, or seemingly unable to, to, to resist the urge to continue to send communication after communication after communication. Um, and so that 
we, our, our clients are, are people who are threatened, but they won't just receive one threatening text message from their offender. It's usually their, their ex, but, but we've had it be roommates or something, but who's absolutely just fixated on, on, on our client. Um, and so it can, it can be hundreds and thousands of, of emails, text messages, showing up their home, sending them gifts, but it's, it's like this, this total cascade um, of, of, of attention uh, that that is um, it, where it's it's dangerous and it's not the kind of thing that a cease and desist will protect a person from um, or like it's not the kind of thing that like a letter from a lawyer will say you know like will protect a client from because really the the offender's only hope is that they'll get a, a, a response and attention from from their their target. And so getting a cease and desist letter is almost making their day. It's like she notices me. What more can I do? Me. Yeah, yeah. So that the the um the scenarios where we see this is is um people who've gone on a date or been in a relationship with somebody who is mentally ill and is uh, has this unrequited uh, obsession with with the person who ends the relationship or, or doesn't go on a second date, or in some cases, it's somebody they may have connected with on a dating app. And then uh, the client feels like there's a red flag. And so denies even a first date. And that person just, um, the offender just becomes totally focused. But we've also had cases where uh, there was not really um, a strong relationship. We had a very serious case where uh, the our, our client had put up an ad on Craigslist looking for a roommate, and the man that that answered the ad ended up um, getting breaking into her computer on his first day looking at the apartment, and and then um, he made it his life's work over the course of the next year or so uh, to basically destroy her life to impersonate her on every possible um, like what email, he was creating emails in her, her name, her parents' name, sending sending porn um, and child, child porn from, from her email accounts and her parents' email accounts, creating, um, calling in bomb threats uh, to schools in her name. It was absolutely relentless. Um, but he'd broken into her, her computer and stolen her online diary and and then was, was sending that to, to, like her father was a doctor. So he was created this this fake email account in her father's name and then sent it to everyone in, in his hospital. It was it was just the most creative things. I mean, she was a dog walker. He he created he broke into her rover account and then started sending her clients um, messages that she'd killed their animals. It was it's just the most insane thing. It's so it's so outrageous. I mean we people make cutesy comments about oh I'm stalking you or I even had some crazy girl once um, on an app where we talked for a couple times, I didn't even remember. And then for years, she wouldn't stop sending weird emails, but it was just emails who cared. Um, mm -hmm. And I might've made a joke, cutesy comment, oh, someone's stalking me. But what the things you describe in your book are so next level. It's so outrageous. Bomb threats, mm -hmm. sending diary entries to her father's business. I mean, these are mm -hmm. just, so, it's just so yeah. unbelievable. It's so unthinkable. Mm -hmm. And the person in, you know, who fits this kind of profile, well, they will fake their own death. We had a, um, a client's ex-boyfriend. He was actually impersonating other people during their relationship and revenge porning her uh, under these pseudonyms while they lived together. Right. To make her depend on him more. Right. Right. And so he was, he was like the hero when she would, you know, she all basically like 10 different ex-boyfriends from her past were all sending revenge porn, suing her for having um, an STD. They were all doing absurd things, but he was actually impersonating them. Was that the guy Juan that you talked about? Juan, yeah, Juan Thompson. And, um, and then he too, um, he, he was escalating and started making bomb threats in her name as well. It's, it's a common pattern. He faked his death, um, impersonated his brother to say that he'd been shot. Um, he was on the lamb. It was awful. And he was using all sorts of different anonymizing 
of software. He was using VPNs. He was using Tutanota um, to uh, anonymize his his email. He was using um, you know spoof phones to to mask his his phone number. And I mean, he was calling me. Uh, it, it's just like it's it, the this behavior is just that like unrelenting, relentless um, stuff that will only escalate and and um, really requires law enforcement. So then what can you expect and what do you recommend in situations like this? What, with, when you have a person like this in your life? When you have a person like this in your life who is uh, single-mindedly focused on destroying your life and um, and is doing really dangerous things like, like bomb threats, um, you know, things that could get people killed. Uh, it's, it's such flagrantly illegal behavior that, that I, I always want law enforcement to take care of this um, because they're not going to, I mean, we had orders of protection for our clients and they're just not responsive to those things because they already are, have committed to breaking the law. And so in, in those cases, we, um, we get federal law enforcement involved. And I know that this is an international audience. Um, we, we have, some of these cases are, are international. We have an offender right now who is in Norway, who is, is, is stalking clients in, in, in Texas. Yeah. Um, so like, what can you do in a situation? Mm-hmm. These people are all over the world with this, with the mm-hmm. internet, you can be mostly anonymous as you're saying with VPNs or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have to, um, with these cases, you really have to get law enforcement involved because they have subpoena power. And most of these um, platforms, although not the anonymizing ones, but a lot of the platforms that they use are, are social media and law enforcement anywhere in the world could be subpoenaing Facebook, Instagram. A lot of this, a lot of this um, conduct happens in really mainstream um, social media platforms, or at least it starts there. And what we found is that even with the most um, skilled, like tech mastermind, they always mess up. They always forget to put their VPN on at some point. Or if you go back far enough, you'll find that they weren't using it in, in the very beginning of the stalking. Um, but but law enforcement is the way to go with this category of offender. Yeah, because there's no other way around it. And they're totally unrelenting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like people can, you know, if, if this is happening to somebody, we're, I'm, I'm a lawyer who's, who's licensed to practice in, uh, our, our lawyers at this firm are licensed to practice in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and California. But if there's, you know, if somebody's dealing with this, we can refer people out and, and connect people to, to, to offenders. Definitely. Or, so not to, not to offenders. <laughs> to, to legal counsel in other states or other jurisdictions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's super mm-hmm. important. Yeah. So these things that you're talking about are totally so off the charts of anything I ever could have expected when I thought about what stalking even was in the first place. You know, it's like you hear bad stories, but your book takes it just to a completely different level. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think of stalking as, as like somebody having this like love and adoration for another person, but almost always it, it becomes really violent. And, and it's not just like, I want you. It's that if I can't have you, then I want to destroy you and no one else should have you. And you're going to be living in fear of me for the rest of your life. So crazy. I really have never heard the kinds of stories that I, I was hearing. Do you have any um, other stories besides that one before we move on from stalkers? You had, did you, your, um, would your ex be considered a stalker? What happened to you? He was, yeah. I mean, he was, he was a category of, of, and there's, you know, if we're talking about Venn diagrams, there's some people that are kind of, uh, straddling multiple um, categories, but I mean, it might be a good moment for us to transition into more of the, the like asshole. He he's like a stalker asshole. All right, so let's transition into asshole. Asshole is we we think of them as more somebody who's a little bit more controlled than the stalker. They might do something, a, a series of of uh, abusive and violent things, but then they can kind of control themselves and, and get out of it. So it's the, it's somebody who might be jilted from a breakup, um, who, uh, was abusive, um, maybe sent some naked images, 
but they're people who who still have some sort of anchor in in the real world. With with stalkers, usually they have given up everything in their their world. They're not they're not necessarily employed. They don't necessarily have close relationships with with their their families or or you know or you know, the, the less anchors a person has, the more dangerous they can be because they the more will... free time they have to mess with your clients. For right. example, that um, right. the story of Matthew Herrick and the grinder. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read your book, there's a story of um, a guy whose ex has sent what was it, thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred yeah. um, men from Grinder to his house. Um, you'd have to have, you know, in terms of. Uh, harassment by proxy as you called it you have mm-hmm. to have a lot of free time to set up a profile yeah. and create 1400 dates for your ex yeah so so the asshole is somebody who's who's more controlled and more connected to the world they might have a job and a family or kids or a significant other a home <laughs> that they pay rent to they're they're people that are not going to go completely like nuts but but they might do lash out and do do um they might have a drinking problem and and aggress because they're triggered by 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 something but then they can turn themselves around those types of people the ones who can be who have their their foots still in in um anchored into into the norms they they will be responsive to orders of protection sometimes to cease and desist letters it, at our firm like we want to ba- basically do the least uh, we want to do the least amount to get the person to stop so if we think somebody will stop just from a letter telling them to cease and desist that's going to be the first choice but if they're if they're really doing extremely abusive stuff then then we might need an order of protection which is a court order saying that they must stop and that they'll be arrested if they don't. But then, if it's even more extreme, then then we want um, actual law enforcement to 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 do the law. But we always we always want to do the the past of the most mild response to get them to stop. And and that that goes back to like we can predict who's going to stop at what point based on on how anchored they are to, to society. Would you say the assholes are similar to the stalkers? It's just a question of how anchored they are to society, but their actions are otherwise similar. Like, is it their The difference is just how anchored they are, not in they're, the things that they're doing they're, to their victim. Yeah. They're, they're, they're more, it's not going to be as engulfing the, the, um, the abuse, like they will respond to an order of protection because it, there's, there's something more like they're jilted. They want revenge. They, they have, some sort of concept about why they're doing xyz with with a stalker they're it's much more chaotic and out of control and they seem to have a compulsion but with an asshole it's 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 more um it's just more more controlled and determined and are the underlying activities that they're doing any different like are there do you have different stories about like the kinds of crazy stuff assholes were doing or is it sort of similar to the stalker stuff an asshole is more like, oh, I want to get revenge on that person. I want to, I'll, I'll post her naked pictures. I'll, um, I'll try to, you know, get, get the people at work alienated from her. So I'll, I'll make up rumors about, about her. And, and we had, we had an asshole who, um, who was really angry at his ex for, for um, breaking up with him. And they were both like new lawyers and she had a new job at big big law and she, he had basically created a a portfolio of printing out all the text messages that they had exchanged where she had talked any anything negative when she was a summer associate about her new job and he sent it to them oh god and then he sent it to them and then they ended up withdrawing her her job offer um but it's it's that kind of thing where it's like it's more it's more deliberate and intentional yeah and a little bit maybe less like illegal sounding like like you said a little bit more grounded right if you're taking screenshots of something she typed out when she was talking smack about her Mm -hmm. co-workers it's kind of in a different class although no less damaging in its own way and I mean I feel funny Jordana talking about 
assholes and, and stalkers as if this is, I mean, as if there's some sort of term of art. I mean, we're, this is, this is really just to give your, your listeners some insight into how one law firm um, categorizes our offenders in a way that makes sense to us. Totally. We're not recreating Webster's Dictionary <laughs> under the definition of, of asshole or stalker or any yeah, others. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, I totally understand. It's just a matter of how you're dealing with these different types of unbelievably difficult situations that come through your doors and the ways that you're protecting the mm-hmm. people who, who are seeking help from you. Right, right. Yeah, unbelievable. And then it just makes us all think, you know, all the things that we're typing out. I mean, I have a big fear of that anyway, of, of just future hackers, everything we say being so vulnerable to that. That's a totally different podcast mm-hmm. and a totally different conversation. Yeah. So then the, so for the, for that type, the orders of protection do work because they do mm-hmm. have a job, but if they're not doing it now, would it work if they're not doing anything illegal? So if they're just printing out the text messages and sending them, what can you do? Can you get an order of protection? I mean, that's, I guess that's a state question and we're dealing with people from mm-hmm. all different states and all different countries, but that are listening, but. It, it's some places you can get just a harassment order of protection. Other states like in New York, there has to be something illegal that happened. And I think it probably varies around the, around the world as well. But, you know, some, some assholes will be responsive to a very stern letter from a lawyer that, that tells them that they need to stop. That's great. Mm-hmm. Are there more things to say about, about that type? Or yeah. Well, should... one thing I'll say about both these categories is that a victim, I use the word victim because I don't, some people have a bad reaction to the word victim, but I, uh, I, I think it can actually be a strong word that, that recognizes that something bad has happened to you and it's not your fault. It doesn't need to be a person's identity, but they can be victimized um, and, and, you know, in, in a certain moment in their life. And, and so ah, I lost my train of thought because I started talking about victims. Um, we were talking about what assholes and uh, stalkers have in common. Oh, one, one thing that's important is that I don't want, um, they, our, our victims can, can say, no, don't contact me anymore. But we never want them to then keep contacting them and keep telling them no. It's important that, that they then cut cut off the offender and leave it to a third party like a lawyer or a law enforcer to to um, continue to make make the threats because them saying things is positive reinforcement exactly exactly yeah like with any dog training you want to reward the good behavior Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and and by actually contacting them you were rewarding bad behavior you're saying Mm -hmm. that yes the thing you're doing is going to get me to get in touch with you which is exactly what Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. So that's good advice. So just getting help from someone else, cutting off contact 100% and mm-hmm. only communicating by hopefully either through law enforcement or through an attorney or some other protective protector. Right. Are there more things to say about that or is, do you want to move on to let's, the next let's type? Let's move on. Let's move on to trolls. It's, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, we categorize trolls as people who are acting completely anonymously. Um, and usually it's, it's a whole mob of people that are aggressing online. So it's, it's, you know, like it's the people where if, if you tweeted something about Amber Heard, you're going to get all these Twitter, um, Twitter accounts that are just going to like start screaming at you. And and so how does this come into your life? How would a, a, a victim of trolling end up walking through your office? What are the kinds of... Well, we have, we have people that are journalists. We have clients that are journalists or celebrities, um, or they've done or said something controversial online, and they just get, they just get mobbed. And it's actually one of the most difficult um, uh, is- issues to, to resolve, because it's very illegal for one person to make a thousand communications that are unwanted. But if you have a thousand people that are each making one or two or three unwanted communications, then it's not, it's not necessarily illegal. It could well be considered free speech. And, and also like even there's, it's hard to make a dent in finding out, you know, if you find out who one person is, you know, through subpoenas and stuff, you still have, 
you know, 999 other people that you don't know. And so, so like, there's not a lot of good purpose in, in um, going after any one person. Plus if they're acting in concert, the, the offenders are acting in concert, then, then it, they'll just be supporting each other. Um, if, if the victim tries to, to um, take any, any action. So in those cases, we really need, we really rely on the tech platform. So this, this always happens online. Um, and so we, and it, it often happens on, on mainstream platforms. And so we, we really rely on the platforms to be um, moderating their content in a responsible way, which just makes me crack up because I'm, <laughs> I have no faith in, in, in our big tech to be uh, at all kind or humane toward, toward users because um, they don't really see us as, as people, but they see us as, as uh, their raw material to advertise to and, and collect data about. Um, but, but, you know, there's, what what happens is trolls have so many targets that they they do move on um you know they're they're just kind of looking for the closest dead dead fish to all attack and then as soon as there's a new a new target they they all move on yeah and i think that's the one we're probably the most familiar with i would say probably all of us i mean i i had never really heard of stalkers calling in bomb threats under someone else's name stuff like that it was pretty outrageous to me but um, are there any trolling stories or, uh, that, that are unlike anything we might've heard before that you've come across something? Um, well, I, I think that the most extreme ones are like, I mean, we represent a lot of abortion providers and so they have a lot of trolls and who are stalking and harassing them online. And, and then they also sometimes do things like post their dox them they they'll post personal identifying information their address online so that then other people will will take action offline like show up at their homes and and protest and and send stuff and and we had one abortion she was an escort at an abortion clinic and she the the trolls were so aggressive toward her where it all started online because there were p pictures of her at being an abortion escort and but then they figured out they all kind of egged each other on all the trolls and they figured out where she worked and then they started where she worked at a great school they started then sending uh, communications to like her the parents of of the, the class that she taught um you know saying that she was a baby killer another issue that we see really really cruel trolling of, is in the porn community so so there's a and this this was really prominent about four years ago where there would be i'll just give you an example there was a kind of this thing where there were these advertisements for bikini models and then people would call this this number and and talk to a guy and and negotiate for to to send him some some pictures of them and and then if he liked how they looked then he would pay them between three and thousand three and five thousand dollars to come to san diego in person and he would um basically say well you know like yes we advertise for bikini models but you know for three you know for three thousand or five thousand dollars you know maybe you would do something a little more intimate no one's ever going to see it uh it's we we have this client who's this really rich guy in australia and he's just like he has this little portfolio of pornography and he's so rich that he just likes his own like personalized pornography and so if you come to san diego and have sex with this one guy it'll be like 30 minutes um we'll pay you five thousand dollars and so young women then go and they you know they're thinking to themselves god they, they they tend to be the people that were duped tend to be pretty wholesome looking like sorority girls girl next door and young and then young like um 
you know, 18 to 23. And then they, they fly to San Diego, you know, on someone else's nickel. And, and then they, they're given a contract and, you know, they're like told to sign it and they don't like know what's happening. Somebody whisks them away for hair and makeup and manicures. And by the time they get there, they've also been been told, oh, well, you know, like if you have any concerns, just call this other girl. She's, she's done it. And sorry, my dog. Um, by, by the time the, the, um, the woman has, has gotten to San Diego, they've, they've already groomed her to be trusting because they've, they've told her, Hey, if you have any, any qualms or any concerns or like actually worried about this, like winding up on the internet, God forbid, you know, call this, call this woman, Tracy, she's, she did it like last week. And, and so the, the woman then calls this person. It's like, oh yeah, these guys are really great. Like they'll put you up at a really nice hotel and, um, and it's so much money. And so anyways, like by the, the woman gets to San Diego and, uh, you know, does hair and makeup gets, you know, rushed through this contract and then, and then is confronted by, you know, this porn, porn crew and, and, then what's supposed to be like 30 minutes of missionary style is between for each one of them between seven and, and like 24 hours of a film shoot of really hardcore sex well beyond what they consented to. And then, you know, some, some of the clients like missed their flight. Some of them wanted to leave in the middle of it, but didn't like know where they were, or how to get out. But then, you know, after it was over, they go back to their homes, which often are across the country. And they're just like, thank God that was over. That was, you know, a really scary situation, but I'm home, I'm safe now. And then, and then they get an email from somebody saying, hey, I just, you know, <laughs> saw this video of you. And then they get an email from another person, another person, and then suddenly like, everyone at their sorority is sent that and their job is sent that and their, you know, comments on their little sister's YouTube channel. And, and it just is. Because it was never private. It was never even was going never to be private. private. They it's were trying. To, yeah. There's this company called girls do porn and they have a big porn hub. They had a big porn hub following and, um, and then, but within that community were all these trolls that would compete with each other to, to figure out the identities of the women and then and then post as much like all their social media profiles or links they figure out where their parents worked where their sisters went to to school and provide that links so that they could all like anonymously harass the person and it was you know with with these videos so terrifying it's poor girls. it's terrifying and so that's, so it's, it's one step, one layer of harm was the lies that they were creating online porn, not at all something for a private guy. But then the next layer of harm are for the army of trolls that make a sport of finding out who this person is. And then for whatever reason, destroying her life. Yes, exactly. That's crazy. Um, but then I can also understand almost nothing you could do against that army of, of trolls. I guess you know, but like, you know, there was a lawsuit against the the guys um, who ran the the scheme. There were criminal charges against them. Finally, Pornhub now, you know, has been forced to remove all that content. But I mean, it took so long. And I I also blame Google here because Google was a real asshole. Speaking of assholes, you don't have to be a human to be an asshole. But but Google then was keeping all these women's like if you if you their, search there, yeah, if you put it in their search, it's the first thing that it comes would, up. It would go to to this non consensual pornography, and and I I worked with you know some executives at Google, and I was like, this is you know you have a revenge porn policy. I helped create your revenge porn policy, and they just were absolutely adamant that this is not revenge porn. This is regret porn. They called it, um, and I was like, no, this isn't regret porn. This is you know, whatever the hell that is, this is, this is a criminal conspiracy. Yeah. Right. It's not that they, they didn't know they were creating porn for, right. for general consumption. They were told it was a one-time situation for one guy. 
Uh, it's not like they regretted mm-hmm. being in a porn video right. that was that they knew was going to be distributed wherever. Right, and also what the, the kind of sex that they agreed to was not was was very different than the the sex that they were forced to have. So there was a you know sexual assault element to it as well. Yeah, these poor poor humans put through this. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And then with the trolls, just insult. Uh, I mean, injury on top of insult on top of yeah. injury on top yeah. of insult. And there's like a mob mentality um, when it comes to to, to trolls where. They, they just kind of feed on each other's cruelty. It's so sad. A really strange new phenomenon that didn't exist when we were growing up. This mm-hmm. on, anything online didn't exist. So trolls just weren't, it just, it's a new thing. Uh, and it's a crazy, crazy new thing in the last few decades yeah. that has emerged. Anything left to say about trolls before we move forward? No, let's, let's move to category number four, which is pervs. Um, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, they're the offenders who are aggressing um, to dominate and control somebody sexually. It's uh, sexual predators. It's child pornographers. Um, it's, it's people who, who have their sexual gratification is, is um, at the expense of, of somebody else's autonomy. This is obviously a broad category, but it probably covers also what you call sextortion, right? Or is that in a different mm-hmm. category? Well, sextortion. So sextortion basically is um, just for those who are not familiar with the term. It's when um, uh, somebody, usually through the internet, uh, coerces you to do something sexual, um, at uh, basically blackmailing you if, if you don't then they're going to do xyz so we see it play out a lot with kid victims where uh, somebody online um, impersonates a peer and then um says okay like let's you know induces them to to exchange nudes and then says if you don't send me more then i'm going to share these with everybody at your school um, or I'm going to send this to your parents, or I'm going to send these this video to the police, and they're going to arrest you, little child, for for child pornography. And so that blackmail creates this um, terror, this terror, um, and induces the the child. It's not always children, but often it is to to produce more content for them. And so that is, you know, that is like a really, you know, a, might be a perversion. It's 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 very cruel and traumatizing um, behavior to, to do to somebody else. Uh, and, and I can tell you that probably the most trauma, traumatized people that I work with are, are kids who've been um, attacked this way because they feel absolutely hopeless. You know, we, I think of pervs more as, as people who sexually aggress in the real world, but I, but I think sextortion is probably an exception to that because there is something very sexually gratifying to to offenders and usually they they get off on having this control and I mean the the victims are usually so so much weaker than they are but they just feel like they can kind of remote control somebody to do something you know like a kid to to masturbate on screen uh, just by blackmailing them right and then of course once they get that next video it oh it just escalates to what they can ask for because oh yes. Yeah. If they were afraid of having the first image, it only gets worse and worse, and then it's yeah. just a spiral out of totally. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I will not describe <laughs> um, what some of my young youngest clients have had to do because they were so scared of of their videos being released. But I have a lawsuit right now against the app Omegle, which is an online dating or it's an online like live streaming app that matches strangers to, to video chat and it has no filters for age. And so my 11 year old client was matched with a man in his late thirties. And uh, that match led to her becoming his basically sex slave for two years from age 11 to 13. And she, she was at his beck and call, um, for years 
creating whatever content he wanted, his friends wanted, performing for them, because he had her absolutely convinced that if she didn't, then he would share all of this with, with the police in her local town. Or even just, yeah, her parents or teachers. I mean, I could see why an 11-year-old would be terrified. I would. Yeah. I would be completely yeah. terrified. Okay, so that's the online exception to pervs being online. That's the mm-hmm. one exception. The sextortion is the one exception to pervs actually existing probably, online. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably if we sat here long enough, we'd, we'd think of some others. But but also just our, our you know, we represented a number of victims of, of Harvey Weinstein, um, as I talk about in... in the ninth chapter of, 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 of my book, you know, it's, it's hard to know if what's a perversion, what's dominant and controlling behavior. It's all, it's all mixed together, but, but the result is, is that somebody is, is horrifically traumatized at, at the expense of, of usually, but not always a, a man um, finding his sexual gratification. Unbelievably disgusting humans, unbelievably disgusting. So what are some warning signs that a person is going to be like that? This is someone, I mean, obviously if you're dealing with someone who comes in, you know, some of these people there, there's, there's no way you could have avoided, right. You're talking about a woman who, who answers or who has a a call for a roommate. She doesn't know the guy's going to hack her computer or if you're just trying to get a job or do your job and there's, you know, a boss, but but outside of the things that we can't, you know, what are some things that you can control? Some warning signs, some things to look mm-hmm. for that you've noticed. Well, I mean, I think I think so much of it's just like your gut instinct, and if you just want to be careful, like when you're dating, to be with with people who seem to to be honest. In most of the cases where we're dealing with stalkers who start out, who meet meet their partner like on on a date usually there's there's really instant emotional like overwhelming bonding usually there's the the offender creates some sort of um, or manufactures some sort of like really like extreme issue like they just like their dog just died or i mean that might not be that extreme to some people or or um you know is getting over this this really traumatic breakup with somebody who, you know, broke their heart and, and, um, you know, did, you know, cheated on them and, and they're looking for comfort or something like, and then, and then there's this pressure often to, to then share in an equivalent way. And when we share with, with, with somebody, tell secrets to somebody, we, we automatically want to trust that person because otherwise there's this like cognitive dissonance, like, I just gave, shared all these secrets with you. So you must be, you know, you must be trustworthy. Otherwise, like what the hell did I just do? And so we trick ourselves into thinking that there's this like trusting relationship. And then, then that person often wants to see you more and more or, or needs money or when there's so much drama right away, that is a red flag. Yeah. And when there's like, you know, and we think of like, oh, these whirlwind relationships are are exciting and awesome but but they also can can make us very very vulnerable and we're living on the adrenaline of the connection and we're sometimes not telling the people that we trust and love about it because we're like oh you don't understand and so that creates an an isolation uh so you know it's just it's not very romantic or sexy but you just kind of like it's it's the situations where there's been no moderate moderation in the the connection where like you just like have this insta marriage kind of thing. So they come in with massive intensity, which then gives you grounds to open up. But because you're experiencing yourself in the state of opening up, you assume it's because they're worthy of the trust that caused you to open up when actually it was yeah. just their own craziness and intensity that causes you to open up. And so you can be in this extremely intense situation with someone that your loved ones might not understand because you just mm-hmm. met this person and they might be like, are you sure? You know, but you yeah. don't want to hear it. So then that causes isolation more from loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like usually, usually the people that are the most dangerous are liars. And so they'll lie about like where they work or they'll, they'll make up some like super impressive job or they like, or like they're, they'll lie and say that they're a Rhodes Scholar and, 
you know, was the, were the, you know, valedictorian at, at Wharton Business School and, and, you know, hanging out with Jay-Z, like in his helicopter last weekend, you know, like they'll make up things that you're like, wow, it's super impressive. But then you're like, actually, how are you doing that? And also, a, you said you were a sniper for the, for the, you know, for the arm, for the Navy SEALs. And like, you're also like, uh, like all these things that don't quite add up to, to um, anything that's, that's reasonable. Um, and if you were telling your loved ones, they might raise those red flags and say, yeah. I, don't, I don't really believe yeah. that. Yeah. And, and also like people who, who don't have connections be, you know, like these, this type of person kind of blows up every relationship in their path path. They're kind of like these, these whirling dervishes. And so they're, they're often people that have, you know, consistently really, really bad breakups and no long-term friends and they can't keep a job. They're always bouncing from job to job. Um, or they're, they're serial entrepreneurs, <laughs> failed entrepreneurs. And, and, um, you know, they're, they're grand, grandiose, grandiose thinkers. They're often very, very charming but they're, they're, um, they don't have healthy, healthy relationships. Really good things to look out for. Um, people who have a lot of intensity, not a lot of connections. Yeah. I think those are really good, mm -hmm. really good warning signs. Um, so a lot of what you do is help people break up with these, these very difficult humans to the extent that we miss these warning signs and get involved with someone dangerous mm -hmm. like this. What are some pieces of advice you have for people who are going who who think they might have someone dangerous in their lives? the The first piece of advice is is to never go through this alone. So um, you have to tell you have to tell somebody and trust them because um, usually if it's it, with with some with people like like um, you know like in, in an abusive controlling relationship. Um, there is a pattern of isolation of, of the, the victim. And so it can be really, really hard to, to break out of that and to tell somebody that actually things are bad, particularly because, because of the isolation, um, sometimes the, the um, victim's family and friends might be kind of pissed off because it's like, Hey, we saw all these red flags. We tried to warn you. And and then you've just kind of ghosted in the last year. You chose him over us. So like sometimes there can be like, um, but you you know. Like, like you they're resentful. Like, they're not ready to show up and be your protectors. Yeah, they're like, they're, hey, like this person was like, so bad and that's who you ditched me for? We tried, yeah, we tried to warn you. Like we could see it. And now you're coming crawling back for, for help. But, but in no, you know, like everyone will have somebody in their life who's been through a controlling relationship who will help you out and you just have to find somebody that that you trust who you can report the stuff to and who's not going to judge you if you don't immediately leave but who can help you plot a path i found that in scary and controlling relationships um the other person's pretty unreasonable and and they can be very persuasive so having a, a conversation about the breakup and explaining it doesn't always work. Sometimes somebody might attempt it and then get reeled back into the relationship or like punished for even having the thought of leaving. And then that then becomes some, some new like weapon that's used against them. Like, and so, uh, you know, we, we say like, if you're trying to leave an abusive and controlling relationship, you don't owe that person an explanation. Mm. Yeah, you could leave and um, you, you might have a lot of memories together and an apartment together and some obligations together. But like we all are free to be in loving and peaceful relationships. And so if you're not, you don't owe that person and like a breakup conversation. Yeah. An abusive person has lost their privilege for that. They've lost their, yeah, that's really well put. Like you can just leave in the middle of the night or while that person's on a vi business trip or something, just get the hell out, take your pets. It doesn't count as ghosting 
when you're saving your yeah. own life, when you're protecting yourself. Yeah, and it's, things are more complicated when there are children. Like, I'm not going to get into, into that issue right now. But, you know, we sometimes create all these excuses to stay. And usually it's like, well, we have a year-long lease together. Or, but I just paid the down payment on the car. Or he owes me so much money. Or she owes me, like so much money or finances are a huge part of this aren't they a lot of times yeah but if but you know i'm very much in favor of just like figuring out how you can walk away figuring out who can help you where you can stay you want to stay somewhere where that person doesn't know where you are because they will come to come to find you they'll look for you they might do it in a very loving way they might do it in an extremely violent way but you want to you want to be somewhere where you can, you can just, you can go and you can just send them an email or text message saying, you know, I've, I've decided that I want to break up with you. I'm not going to negotiate this decision. A decision has been made. You can say, blah, blah, blah. Jordana will be in, in touch with you in the next few days to figure out, you know, exchanging our stuff back and figure out the finances and stuff. And, and it's over. That's it. Don't, please, please don't try to talk me out of this. I'm not going to be checking my email or my phone for the next week. You know, like set up the, make the demands that you don't want contact. Because then if there is a barrage of contact, you can actually qualify possibly for an order of protection. If it's, if it's dangerous and you're in fear. Yeah. Breakups are hard no matter what, but when you're dealing with someone like this, it's just so much more complicated. Yeah. And I mean, this is for situations where you're with a controlling and abusive person and it's intolerable. It's very different in, in, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is the way to break up in all, in all contexts. No, no, of course. We're obviously dealing with edge cases. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what we're dealing, what you've been talking about are men and my audience tends to not date men, but we're also talking about yeah. a guy who is a roommate. You know, you can have a boss, you could have a roommate. These are, it doesn't matter who you date, you know, yeah. you can still end up in bad situations. But I'm curious, did you run into any situations? Cause, cause we do date women, my audience. Um, have you run into any situations where the, where the abuser was a woman? Oh yes. Lots of, lots of situations where the abusers are, are women. Not as many as, as, as men, but we have, we've had a number of, of same-sex cases involving orders of protection and stalking. We had a case where one woman planted um, tile tracking devices on another person's car. It's strange, but a lot of the, the cases involving women involve academics. So people who uh, have, for one reason or another, have careers in academia there's a high incidence of same-sex abuse in those relationships. So who is the one who, so these are what, they're two women are both professors or one woman's yeah. a professor, one's a student it's, and who's addressing on who usually, or they're usually just, it's, it's two professors that have, that have some sort of interrelated work and they might have collaborated intensely on a project and then become intimate. And it's, it's uh, the, the work has imploded and um, it just it's I don't know how to ex how to explain it, but it's like academic same sex couples. And it's, you know, usually they're very intelligent people who've been very successful academically throughout their life and who don't really. You, I think that the aggressor often thinks of themselves as the victim in same-sex, like, stalking and abusive situations. That's interesting. Can you say more about that? Yeah, like, there is, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about how to, how to even express it, because I'm, I'm kind of realizing these patterns in, in real time as I, as I think of, as I, as I think about it, but, like, in, I'm thinking about three cases where our clients have, been in same-sex relationships and the this stalking the stalker has gone to the police or gone to the institution if they're both working as professors and has lodged 
complaints against the um, the victim and and used used like the system against against them. So like bogus Title IX complaints, bogus order of protection cases. So what would that mean? What would that con- a bogus Title IX would mean? What and like a order of protection means they threat saying oh she threatened me and then therefore so they're of- they're li- yeah they're they're they fabricate fabricate claims and or they they exaggerate them you know or they'll they'll take something out of context and 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 then say that this person was was rate you know racist or sexually oppressive or or something but it's like not based in reality and it's not it it doesn't add up to a a claim with any merit it's just that they got their heart broken and yeah and then if you go through all the communications and the con you know the content from from the relationship and the breakup it's very clear that the the person who's initiating the the proceedings is is often the the aggressor interesting case of projection i wonder mm-hmm. what's behind that well it's like it's a com- i think it's projection but it's also like the the intelligence of using corrective systems against the victim which is sort of the scariest thing that can happen to a person is like when when an innocent person is arrested or is you know sued or has an order of protection you have first-hand knowledge of this i do have i and it's it's terrifying and mine was a you know relatively mild case uh compared to people that you know spent long periods of time based on you know, intentionally fabricated uh, complaints complaints about them. But just to just to tell the story, you went into com- to the police to, to complain about your ex, and he made a claim against you as well, right? Said that you had harmed him in some way. Yeah, I still don't know what the what the facts of his complaint were, but I got arrested on the spot when I was supposed to be going there to identify him, according to the to the detective. And then I was questioned for hours by the New York police, like intelligence department and, and taken to central booking and months, you know, after months and multiple court appearances, all the charges against me were dropped, but it's a terrifying experience to, to have criminal charges. And during that period, I also got, you know, an order protection case filed against me after I had filed for one. And then I kept getting these garbage lawsuits um, for things that, you know, like, saying I owed money, but it was like a time period before I had even met the guy or that I'd broken some piece of equipment in his apartment that I'd never even knew existed. You know, it was like really just like extortive stuff, but it was, it was driven by this like desire to just ruin my life. Which unfortunately you didn't have anyone to hire yet because your law firm didn't exist yet. And <laughs> as bad as it was, it is what got you to start the work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, write the book that you wrote, which was so brave. Uh, the stories you share in that book, holy cow, it's page after page of not only really well written, but just unbelievably soul bearing, incredible stories and the work you do and the way you protect people. So cool. And I'm so glad we, we got connected. I'm, I don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know uh, you've got a lot of people you're protecting. But just, you know, before we go, is there anything that you, like, wish all women knew, that wish all people could hear? You know, any final thoughts? Um, I mean, my, my thought is just that we're, we're all sort of a moment away from crossing paths with, with somebody who's just hell-bent on our destruction. And, and it's not because of anything that we've done, but it's just because there are are people out there who are motivated and who have technology at the palm of their hands. And it, it just makes stalking cheap and easy and convenient. And I think we've, we've so, we've gotten so accustomed to, to not being patient with our emotions. And so like if we're a lot of people, if they're feeling any sort of anxiety or discomfort or heartbreak or something, they just want to, take it out on, on the keyboard and, and, and on somebody's, you know, on social media and do something defamatory. And, you know, I just want us all to just be able to like sit with our emotions and just, you know, feel, feel it rather than just, than try to aggress against, against the person. 
um, because there's always somebody at the other end who is entitled to just live a peaceful life without, you know, without being tormented. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If all of us could just take it down a notch, maybe process our emotions in a little bit more healthy way, there'd be less of this. And then also, what about all of us that are reading these things as other people are being aggressed upon? I mean, just send your love to the, to those people and show, show your support. You know, like there's ways to do that without yourself getting embroiled in, in the chaos, you know, by not picking fights, but just showing, you know, expressing you know kindness and and stuff I mean this is that's pretty vague advice but no but it's good advice and it's important and and in this world in today's crazy environment um with so much division and so much misunderstanding a little bit of kindness and healthier processing of our emotions could do us all a lot of good I think yeah there's so much pain in this world and social media just has, has been a real you know, amplifier. And it just it sucks. Yeah. One last, last question. You've done a lot of work with the elderly. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you just wish everyone understood about older people before your work protecting victims of all the things that we discussed? You were protecting the elderly. I was. I, I, I worked in guardianship for, for people who'd been exploited and often would, would sue to get their money back or the deed to their home back after somebody took it. You know, I think the most important thing is like, we got to We got to love and appreciate our elders visit, visit your nearest nursing home. Don't assume that the elderly people in your building down the street that you see outside have families or children who are taking care of them. Especially in the gay community, uh, a lot of us are childless, and um, a lot of our elderly are childless. So there's a lot of lonely, old, elderly homosexuals in this world that really could use someone to talk to. I mean, we could be adopting, adopting, you know, grandmas. How sweet. (laughs) Yeah, or or childless grandmas, I guess. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I've kind of been, been thinking about that in my own life where now that I don't work with the elderly and and all of my grandparents have have passed away, I really miss that. I really miss that in my, in my life, just having people that are way older than me, you know, just they, I think it's very curative to, to be around people, uh, whether they're able to express language or, or not just who've, who are, who've lived, lived a longer life and, and seen, seen a lot of things we haven't. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, and you've done such amazing work. And for anyone who feels like they're facing something unimaginable, I can't recommend anything higher than your book because uh, you really, you bear it all. And, um, and if you're in America and having an issue, or even anywhere in the world having an issue online, call Carrie. Where can uh, they find yeah. more? Where can people go to find more? Where can they follow you? Um, so my website is cagoldberglaw.com, C-A-G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G law.com. And then I'm on Instagram and Twitter at cagoldberglaw.com or just cagoldberglaw. And, um, you know, those are the best ways you can contact us through our website and I'll, I'll see it and get it. Great. And I've got an amazing team that's, that's ready to, to help you know, people that um, have have an issue with with a stalker, perv, asshole, or troll. I'll have links to all of those, and so hopefully people will come find you from there. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's been such a great I'm talk. So, I'm so grateful. Okay, thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want lesbian dating advice from me more often, follow me on Instagram at jordana.michelle. Also, don't forget that womenwantingwomen.com is packed with free resources that can help you build your confidence and have more success with dating. While you're there, you can book a one-on-one coaching session with me to get my personal support in finding the love you long for. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, 
that love is real and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. And I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.